even as we're um, talking about this and teaching and stuff like that. <clears throat> um, so the past couple sessions, past, past three sessions have been all about um, kind of the heart of things and um, some theology and, and what the Word's talking about, and, but a lot of it focusing around the heart and the spirit behind what's going on. Um, this next session will be more practical, more application-based. Um, it doesn't feel as important um, to me because everything is about the heart, uh, but it, it definitely, we, we definitely need to have something that it looks like, you know, to have all, you know, like, like James says, all faith but no deeds, um, and, and the faith is dead. So, so this is, is giving us um, some legs and some, some application to what we've been talking about in the heart of things, um, which is good. Before we jump into that, I really want to kind of finish a thought that I started um, in the healing session that I felt was incomplete um, when we were talking about how we respond to things not happening when we're, when we're praying for healing. And one of the responses was, uh, oh, God must have given this sickness to somebody, um, but then we realize God wants people healed, so then we say, oh, it must be our fault, and we get discouraged. Um, and when we get to, when we get past that, we we let it drive us towards Jesus. Do you guys remember that that kind of discussion? Well, um, I wanted to just really briefly talk about um, or mention a, a lot of that is is revolving around the question of why. Why did this happen? Why is this person sick? Why are they still sick even after I prayed for them and they weren't healed? Um, and we get so caught up in trying to answer that question. Um, and, and we sometimes we arrive at good answers, and sometimes we arrive at bad answers. But either way, a lot of times, it, we're all surrounding that question of why. Why is this happening? Um, and I want, to, I want to throw this out there that it's not necessarily a question that we need to be asking. It's not necessarily the focus of, of ministry or, or of, of life with God or of how we respond to things, um, bad things that are happening. Um, and... I want to give us permission to live in mystery as well when it comes to these things. The Bible sometimes gives us insight into what's happening behind the scenes and sometimes not. And sometimes when you're praying for people, you'll have insight into what's going on behind the scenes. And sometimes you won't. And sometimes you'll know, oh my gosh, this is, there's a spirit of sickness here and that's obviously why this person's sick. Or sometimes you'll get a word of, this person, there was, there was abuse in their childhood when they were 12 years old by this person, and it's, it's left this wound in their heart that's been an open door for this, these demons to move in. Um, and and you'll, you'll get those words, and you'll understand what's going on. A lot of times, you, you won't. You'll have no idea what's going on. Um, and I want us to know that it's okay to say, why did that person, why is that person sick? Why, did that, why is that person still sick? I don't know. I just don't know. Why? I don't know. Um, and we don't need to hurry up and find answers to that. Sometimes we get the answers, but we don't, we don't need to keep going until we get the answers. We can say, I don't know, and we can move on to, but I know God loves to heal, and I know that if Jesus was here, that person would have been healed, so I'm moving in. Um, and let's not get so caught up in the why and give ourselves permission to live in mystery um, and, and to still have a faith that is rock solid, trusting Jesus and trusting God for his goodness. Okay, that was the conclusion of that thought. Now let's move on.
So we're talking a lot about um, tonight the the application. Okay, how do we actually pray for people? What does it look like and sound like? And what are the words that we say and those kind of things? And um, a lot of it will feel like a formula or feel like a this is what you do to get this result. So, of course, I want to start this off by saying there is no formula that will ever work to get people heal, healed, to get people set free, to hear the word of the Lord um, so that they'll be be restored and stuff like that. There's just no formula. Um, it's all relationship-based, everything. So we'll talk about things that look like formulas tonight, but they're not. They're suggestions. They're baselines. They're guidelines. Everything in the end comes down to relationship with God and, and trusting in what God is saying, trusting in what God has said, observing and paying attention to what he's doing in the moment and letting that be our guide. You know, I, I mentioned this last time, but Jesus said, I only do what I see the Father doing. The words that I say are not my own. I say what I've heard the Father saying. Even Jesus, as God, was led by the Spirit moment by moment, um, and even, you know, I even look at when, when Mary, um, wanted, you know, wanted to, for Jesus to, you know, take care and do all the miracles and stuff at the wedding. He, t- he turned to her, he said, woman, what have I to do with you? Basically like, no. And he said, my time has not yet come. Um, and then she presses a bit more and then all of a sudden things change. <laughs> and I don't know what's going on there. It's very, very possible though that Jesus, um, being led by the Spirit, tuned in and went, oh, okay, God, uh, you're, you're saying something else now. And he went with the Spirit in that moment. And, of course, we see a beautiful miracle that happened after that. Um, so if Jesus needed to follow the Spirit to see anything happen and to say that nothing good would happen unless he followed what the Father was saying, how much more do we need to rely on the Spirit moment by moment and to follow him as we're, as we're ministering to people? Um, a lot of how we pray for people is going to be so much more important than the words that we're saying. And how we're praying for them has got to revolve around um, compassion. It's got to be filled with compassion, especially when we're coming to people that are hurting, um, either physically or emotionally or, or feeling broken inside. Many times our response can be um, sympathy as opposed to compassion. And I know um, this is... this. This could be a semantic distinction, but I want to um, treat these as if they're different things because I think they reveal something very important. Um, compassion, um, in this case, is rooted in faith. It, it's coming to them and it's saying, it, it's hurting with them and saying, I, I feel so bad that you're hurting this way and I see you and I recognize you and I want you to know that you're known in the middle of this. Um, and I want to bring you good news that God is going to heal you and he's really good. And like, get ready because God's about to blow your mind. Sympathy goes, oh, I'm so sorry you're feeling that way. That's just the worst thing ever. Oh, I can't believe that this is happening to you. This is so terrible. Oh, my goodness. Uh, many times it's, it's trying to make them feel better because we're, we're like, wow, it's, what you're experiencing is so bad. The only problem is it's rooted in unbelief. It's rooted in, in more faith in what the enemy is doing than in what God's about to do. It's rooted in, in this problem is so huge, and you are such a victim that, like, this is awful. Um, and, and what you'll find is so often that, that 
is rooted in belief, un unbelief and it breeds unbelief. Um, and it, it leads people deeper into bondage. It actually locks them into bondage um, because it, it convinces them, oh my gosh, yeah, this problem is really huge. And like it feels kind of good to feel like a victim in this. Um, but compassion, as opposed to locking people into things, it pulls them out. It recognizes this thing is awful and, and I, I see your pain in this, but let's go. You know, let me, let me help to pull you out of this. Um, so we've got, to, we've got to minister out of compassion versus sympathy. Many times um, we won't be able to guarantee the results to someone as we're praying. I won't be able to say, I, I can guarantee you for a fact that you will leave this healed or you will hear the word of the Lord and you'll have all this direction. Um, sometimes you'll have a gift of faith that's directly from God and you'll know, like beyond a shadow of a doubt, this person is leaving healed. It doesn't matter if it's cancer or if it's a sore thumb. You know, I, I just know that you're, you're healed, and I can't tell you why. I know, I just know. Um, but while most of the time we can't guarantee them leaving healed or set free, we can guarantee that they'll feel loved. We can guarantee that they'll feel honored and that they'll, they'll be treated with gentleness. And, and whether or not people leave healed, um, they should always leave feeling loved and feeling like a champion, feeling like, man, I... I actually feel pretty special, and I, I really do feel pretty cool and, and good about myself. Like those people saw something in me that I didn't, I wasn't even really seeing either, and God has been pretty special, you know? And they, they should feel connection, they should feel loved, they should feel like a champion. Um, and that's, that is all things that we can control. That's things that we can directly influence by how we treat them and how we respond to them hurting, how we respond to them being open about who they are, because it takes a lot of vulnerability to come up and ask us to pray many times. I've, I've heard, I haven't seen this personally, but I've heard of people, people being saved simply through the faith that they saw. Even, even though they weren't healed, they, they came, you know, someone prayed for them for healing, nothing happened, but they were so moved by the love and the faith that they saw on display that they gave their lives to Jesus right there. And, and at the end of the day, that, that is what matters, is love on display, love being poured into that person, them having an encounter with the love of Jesus. Um, and so whatever it takes for them to experience that love, like, that's always a celebration. That's always a good thing. And, you know, yes, they should have been healed, but, you know, let's celebrate that that person got loved on first. Okay, um, I want to... I want to take us through the five-step healing model, um, and this is something that John Wimber um, sort of fashioned in his day. He was an awesome healing evangelist pastor, uh, I think back in the 70s and 80s, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but he's, he's great, and a lot of what we do is based off of what he did and what he started. Again, this is, this is a, a suggestion. This is not how it works, but it's a good structure to have to be aware of and it's a good baseline um, to, to use if you're not hearing something or if you're not sure what to do next. Um, any model that you use should be rooted in gentleness and honor for the person. Um, there's models you can use that, that exercise faith, but that can be actually pretty damaging to people. Um, but this is one that we've found is very helpful in helping people to open up, helping people to feel safe where there may be confusion or um, hesitancy and is also um, thorough. 
So basically, and, and also know this is this is a healing model. This doesn't really focus too much on prophetic. Um, so it only covers about half the things that you'll you would do if you're in a prayer ministry. So the healing model is um, one, the interview, and the question behind that is where does it hurt. Number two is the diagnosis, and the question is where's the, what is the cause, and I'll say these again as we go through them. Uh, number three is the prayer selection. How should we pray? Number four is prayer engagement. Are we making progress and praying? Number five is post-prayer direction. What happens next? So we'll just briefly go through these. Um, so in the interview stage, this is basically... Um, Someone, if you're up here, someone's come to you and um, wants prayer. If you're on the street, it's it's having a conversation with someone and asking them, "Hey, I see you're uh, I see you're wearing a cast. You know what happened to your leg? Where does it hurt? You know what what's going on?" Um, and and basically just chatting with the person, seeing how they're doing, making sure they feel respected and honored, and. Um, that they're not just a, a number or a project that you're approaching, you know. Um, number two, diagnosis. What is the cause? This involves, um, many times it involves asking Jesus um, because we won't know what the cause is. Sometimes you do. Sometimes you ask them, where's it hurt? And they say, it's my ankle. I stepped off a curb and I broke it. And okay, that's the cause right there. You know, we don't need to go much deeper than that. A lot of times they'll be like, I don't know, like six months ago, I had I started getting this really awful stomach pain, and I haven't been able to eat um, a lot of different foods since then without a lot of pain. And I went to the doctor, and they don't know what it is. Well, we don't know what the cause is here, so we got to go, okay, um, well, let's, let's ask Jesus then. Well, let's find out what this could be, um, and we'll ask him. So Jesus, uh, we don't know what's going on. Would you show us what's at the root of this? Um, and he'll share with you, actually, six, six months ago, they had a, a terrible breakup with their boyfriend, and they, they felt really hurt, and a lot of fear entered their life during that time. Or they had a car accident six months ago, um, and there was a lot of fear that opened the door to this sickness coming in. Um, then we can bring up with that person and go, hey, I, I felt like the Lord said this. You know, does that make any sense? And... Um, They'll be like, oh, yeah, uh, you know, six months ago that was. Or, or you can even go, hey, what happened six months ago? Um, was there anything traumatic or significant that happened around, around that time period? And they'll go, oh, well, yeah, about that time I, uh, I got fired from my job, actually. I didn't think about that. You know, and, and those kind of questions and answers can help us to narrow down what could be at the root of this. And it's important to know what the cause is because that informs... Um, uh, number three, our prayer selection. How should we pray? Um, sometimes this is not important. Sometimes it's just, okay, we're just going to release the Holy Spirit and God's good, so we'll see what happens. Sometimes it's very important to know um, if there's a, a demon involved and what its name is. Um, we see Jesus um, highlighting that when he was praying. He asked demons what their name was, and then he commanded to leave. Remember what the... The demon, his name was Legion, because there were so many of them. Well, Jesus actually commanded it to leave first, and it didn't leave. And then he says, what is your name? My name is Legion, for we are many. Then he commands it to go, and it goes. Um, 
that's kind of crazy because it didn't go when Jesus told it to leave at first until he knew its name. So it's important to get a word from God. What are we dealing with here? Um, because there's a measure of authority that comes um, when, you, when you know its name. And I honestly, I'm not sure why that's the case. I just know that's in the Bible, so it's important. Um, so you need to know whether you're rebuking a spirit, uh, whether you are releasing physical healing. You need to know whether um, you need to walk them through um, emotional healing and have them have them confess or have them confess sin. Um, it's really important to know this. So that that is informed by by asking God, what is the cause of this? What's at the root of this? Um, then uh, number four, prayer engagement. Um, you're you're doing it. You know, you ask God, what is the cause? You you from that we're able to decide how to pray, and then you're actually excuse me, you're actually praying. You know, if it's a demon, you are, you are binding it up. You are commanding it to leave. You're canceling the authority that it has. If it's a broken ankle that they stepped off a curb, you're going, I release healing in Jesus' name. You know, ankle, be healed. You're doing what Jesus did when he says, eyes be opened. You know, get up and walk. Um, or if it's, if it's um, you know, spiritually rooted or, or sin-related, you're very gently walking them through repentance and, and confessing of that sin and giving up sort of that, that tie that they've had um, to that spirit. And there's a lot of different things that we can do there. Um, and five, and then, and then you're also observing what's happening as you're praying. So don't, I, I would encourage you to pray with your eyes open generally, um, whether you're on the street or you're, you're praying with people, because we want to be aware of what's happening. We want to see if someone's manifesting and how they're manifesting. They could be manifesting a demon, or they could simply be manifesting the Holy Spirit. We want to, we want to see um, just what's going on. And it, it's not using the flesh. It's not um, not trusting God to simply use our senses and, and to, to see how God is moving on that person or how they're able to respond to it. And that will inform, are we making progress, or is this person totally checked out, and there's something, there's something more going on here. Um, then... Uh, Part five, or step five, is our post-prayer direction. What happens next? Um, if if nothing's happened, then we should go right back to um, step two or three and ask God again. Okay, Lord, what's going on? Nothing happened. Um, is there something we missed? Or something more we need to do? Um, or it could be, oh my gosh, your your broken arm is better. Like, let's celebrate, you know. And then what happens next is a party. And um, we've had a lot of those that are, are so much fun. And um, like people that have had broken legs, like running up and down the aisle, like, I can't do this. I swear I can't do it. What's going on? Or, you know, people that have, haven't touched their feet in six years, like bending up and down all over and over again. Just um, crazy, crazy celebrations and people crying and laughing and jumping around and everything. Um, so step five is generally a, a really fun one. Um, so that's that's the the five step healing model in a nutshell. Now this this can many times um, many times as we're if it's if we're praying for healing, we'll be asking, okay, I see you've got a sickness or I see you've got this injury. Okay, God, what's the cause? And immediately we'll get a word that okay, this is actually not um, the root of this is not physical. The root of this is spiritual, or the root of this is emotional. And there's there's generally three tracks that you can go down from that point. 
there's the physical track, which is okay. This is as simple as um, they, br they broke their ankle, step on off a curb, so let's release healing. The second track is emotional, and this can be um, the Lord saying there was, there's been abuse in, this, in their past, or there was this trauma that, that really damaged them. Um, this, going down this path requires far more gentleness and caution because you can do some serious damage to people. Um, messing around in their emotions and in traumatic events. Um, so if, if you're not comfortable going into the emotional healing, I would really encourage you not to just like charge into it. I would encourage you to pray with someone that has a little more experience in that and is, um, has a, a grid for how to handle those kind of things. Um, generally, the, the way that you handle those kind of things is, is first you want to make sure that they're okay going into that. You don't just jump in and say, hey, uh, Lord said there's tr trauma in your past and you were sexually abused at 12, so I want you to start, um, you know, confessing that out loud and, all right, here we go. Like, that is so rude and so, like, intrusive and, and really awful for someone that there's a ton of pain and fear surrounding that. So we want to make sure that we're, we're not going farther than they're willing to go. So many times I will ask them, I'll say, hey, I, I felt like um, the Lord said there was, there was abuse of some kind in your past when you were younger. Um, does, that, does that ring a bell? I felt like it could have been having to relate to your father. And um, they'll go, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, like when I was younger, yeah, there was some awful things that happened. And they'll be pretty vague about it. And I'll go, I'm, I'm so sorry that happened. That's, oh, that's awful. Um, I feel like God said that that's connected to, to this physical thing manifesting. Would you be okay going into that right now and talking about it? I don't want to go deeper than you're willing to go. And they'll feel honored, and that's, that's great. And, and because of that, they're gonna, they'll give you access and say, yeah, um, I, I'm okay going into that here, um, if, if they're feeling safe with you, you know. Um, and so we go, okay, that's great. Thank you. Thank you for being so courageous because... That's, that's a courageous thing to do, to let a stranger talk about these really painful events, you know. Um, many times what God will want to do is he'll want to go back to that memory or that event in their life and, and bring healing sort of to that memory or to that experience. And that can look like so many things. Sometimes God will show them a vision of, of that memory and like where he was physically during that. And it's like super powerful and amazing. Um, other times, God will just, like, show them that memory, and then they'll, like, just feel this sense of love surrounding it, and, like, the, the pain of that will get removed. I don't know. God does a ton of creative things with that. But many times, it's surrounding certain memories. And so we'll go, okay, uh, we're going to ask God to show you, um, show you uh, a memory or two that this, that this trauma is surrounding or that this, this wound is surrounding. Um, and we'll give you a minute. And so we'll ask God to do that, and we'll wait for a minute. Um, and then they'll have like, they'll say, okay, yeah, I, God showed me, um, or I just had a, was remembering this time. And, um, and so we'll ask them to describe it in as much detail as they're comfortable. And, um, and they'll do it. And, and as, we're, as we're doing this, we're continuing to ask God every, every second, okay, God, what are we doing next? Um, because at the end of the day, like, we're not like psychologists and super trained. We're just people that are asking God what to do because we really want to see this person get restored. Um, and so if, if there was, you know, if it was a, a, like an abuse kind of situation, they would, if they're willing, 
talk about what happened and, and kind of bring that to the light. And it's so important to bring what's hidden into the light because it's there that they're able to, to be healed and to be set free of things. It's, it's really hard to be set free of things that we're not willing to confess and to bring from like the darkness of being inside of us to the light of being seen by others and by God. Um, so in, encourage them to speak it out loud. Um, and then from there, we'll ask God what to do again. And many times this will involve breaking off lies that, that they believed or that were told to them during that, that time. Um, so it can involve breaking off the lie of insignificance, breaking off the lie of unworthiness, breaking off the lie that, that God didn't care about them during that time or that he, would, he rejected them, you know. And, um, and then releasing the truth that replaces those lies. So many of this is, is surrounding lies about who God is and who they are that authority was given to those lies during those emotionally traumatic times. And um, like, man, there was, they felt so much rejection during, during that memory that they have, they have knit, from, that, from that moment, it's shaped how they've viewed God. And they've always felt like God has kind of abandoned them since then. I've never been able to really feel accepted. And so walking through breaking off these lies of rejection and that God doesn't like you and that God isn't proud of you um, is actually what's at the heart of this thing remaining there, you know. Um, many times it's, it's very powerful to have them speak out those lies and, and cutting off those lies. So we'll say, hey, are you okay doing like a repeat after me kind of thing? And they'll go, yeah, sure. And you go, and you're okay. So I rebuke the lie that God doesn't love me. And they'll repeat it. And you just go through everything that you feel like God has given you about lies that were whispered to them during that time. Sometimes it can also involve um, repenting of sin. So something awful happened, you know, they got broken up with and they felt so much rejection from that. And so we need to walk them through those, breaking off those lines. But we also need, um, sometimes there was a, a sin response that they had during that time. And yeah, he was awful and broke up with me and said these terrible things. But man, I held, I held so much bitterness in my heart because of that. Um, and, and that sin can be connected to these physical things manifesting in their life. Um, it's really important when you're bringing these kind of things up, if you're starting to discern that there's sin related to this, um, to, to do it in a way that gives them the chance to step into that themselves and to say yes to it themselves instead of dragging them into it or like being the one convicting them of it. Um, so, so like say the example of someone got broken up with and there was bitterness. If, if I'm discerning that there's bitterness going on or unforgiveness, um, what I could do is say, hey, I, the Lord, I feel like the Lord's saying that you've been bitter and haven't been forgiving them and you need, you need to repent. Um, generally, that, that makes people feel really like, whoa, hey, you don't know me. Like, back off. You know, this is my life. Um, and, and that's, yeah, that's, that's not a, an awful response because that's kind of a, a weird thing to do to someone you don't know. Um, many times, and what you're doing actually is you're taking the choice away from them there. You're saying, I'm decided, I've decided this is what needs to happen, and in order for you to follow God, you have to say yes to me. Um, and that's not a good way to lead, and that's not healthy for them to even say yes to you in that because they're not actually making the choice. Um, what we want to do is phrase it in a way that lets them make the choice for themselves. Um, and so what I will often do is I'll say, hey, I, I feel like the Lord is saying that um, the enemy has been attacking you with bitterness and has been trying to tempt you to step into bitterness. 
Um, and and like I feel like the, the enemy has has tried to use this to to um, lead you to unforgiveness. Does that make any sense? Do you feel like that um, is what what happened? And and because we're we're asking them or we're giving them authority in this to say yes or no, they they have the authority to go. Yeah, actually, I I have been bitter. I have been I have been holding unforgiveness against this person. We didn't say you're holding unforgiveness. We said, I feel like the enemy has been attacking you with this, but it gives them the chance to say, yes, I have been un unforgiving. I have sinned in bitterness. Um, and then we can go, okay, yeah, thanks for, thanks for confessing that. Um, would you be willing to walk through repentance with us here now? Um, and and it, it's a valid question. They don't have to, to be holy, walk through it right there with you. Um, that's, you know, it's not in the Bible anywhere. I think it's really helpful and really um, a good sign if they're willing to do that, but we need to give them that option. Um, would you like to walk through that with us here now? Nine times out of ten, they'll say yes. Sometimes someone um, is really struggling with a fear of, of being vulnerable or um, just not feeling comfortable in this environment, and that's okay, you know. And, and if they say, no, I'm not comfortable, say, okay, well, I really encourage you to find a friend tonight and walk through it with them and tell them, tell them what happened here, you know, and, um, and then bless them and send them on their way. Most times they'll say, yeah, I, I would love to walk through that with you now. And um, again, we, we want to give them authority after that to do it themselves. So, okay, do you feel like you um, are able to do that on your own or would you like us to do like a repeat after me? Most times they'll want to do a repeat after me because they're not they're still not sure what's going on. They're still in the middle of this this memory and um and they would just rather someone that knows what they're doing walk them through it. And that's fine. There's nothing less less godly about that. So if they want to do it, then we'll we'll say, okay, you want to just repent of it and and what you know and and go for it. And maybe afterwards we can say, Hey, I feel like there was something more. Could you also repent of this? Um, but if they ask for repeat after me, then you just lead them through. Um, Lord, I repent of um, not forgiving this person. I repent of holding on to bitterness. And, and you have them speak it out loud and, and deal with it as directly and bluntly as you can. And don't, don't hold any punches, you know, uh, because sin is sin. It needs, needs to get addressed. Um, and then we'll walk them through receiving forgiveness for themselves, receiving cleansing, breaking off any lies that were sort of surrounding that sin or were given authority because of that sin, um, and then receiving truths um, to replace those things. So it's kind of the whole process of breaking the authority of the lie through repentance. Then we have authority to tell the lie to leave, to break it off. And then there's an empty space there that we need to replace with the truth. Um, you know, Jesus talked about how if you cast a, a demon out of a person, but you don't replace it with the Holy Spirit, that demon's going to come back with seven others more strong than itself, and the final condition will be worse than the original. So it's so important that we don't just rebuke things and send them out, whether they be spirits or lies. But we, we send them out, but then we complete it by replacing it with truth, replacing it by a filling of the Spirit, um, and by, you know, loving and, and connection with that person, you know. Um, so that, that oftentimes will be the second path of the emotional healing um, or the emotional sort of root to what's going on. 
The third one is the spiritual root, and that's basically the repentance aspect of the emotional one that we talked about. So it will simply it will be, um, you know, oh, you've got this stomach issue, Lord. What's the what's the cause here? And he'll say, um, there's unforgiveness towards their mother. Um, we can we can recognize that there there is they had a part to play in what happened without assigning fault and without assigning blame. And it's really important to recognize the difference. Jesus never blamed anyone for what, what happened to them. He never once said, uh, like, oh, this is because of you, and, you know, you shouldn't have done this. But afterwards, he always commended them. He commended them on their faith or, or stuff like that. So they had a part to play, but he didn't blame them beforehand for nothing happening or for them having that condition. Um, the only people he blamed actually were the disciples when the little boy wasn't healed. And they were the ones that were the ministers, not the people getting ministered to, um, which is interesting. So even if, even if there's, there's sin in their life that may have given an open door to the enemy to, to cause affliction, we at no point want to, to imply or, or phrase something in a way that, that blames them for what's going on. Um, so, so we can say things like, hey, um, I feel like the Lord said that there may, there may be some unforgiveness um, going on that, that could be connected somehow to this, um, to this affliction. Um, so we're, we're, show, we're telling them there's a connection, but we're not, we'd never want to use words that are going to blame them for what's going on. And we can even say that explicitly. We can say uh, there could be a connection here. And I want to, I want to make sure you know that it's, it's not um, blaming you for what happened there just could, there's just always a connection between the spiritual and the physical. Um, and it's, it's so true. There's always these crazy connections between the physical, the spiritual, and the emotional. And where there's something damaged or off in one, or whether there's, there's life flowing in one and, and blessing in one, it will always trickle to the rest of them or be connected to the rest of them. Many times the flow is um, from spirit to emotion to body or from emotion to spirit and body, um, it's a little more rare for the root to be in the physical, um, but it, it certainly can be, and we have to be um, listening and be be ready to hear anything that God says. Um, but yeah, we, we can tell them there's just connections between the spiritual and the physical, and I feel like the Lord said that this unforgiveness could be connected. You know, does that make any sense? Do you know if, is there, is there someone you may be holding something against? Um, and they'll go, oh, yeah, man, my, my roommate and I, we've been having some hard times, and I've just been so frustrated with her. And you go, oh, man, I'm sorry. Like, yeah, would you want to walk through forgiving her right now with us? And, you know, then you walk through that process. Um, so those are, those are generally the three kind of tracks um, that you can go down after the, after the question that you ask God of, of what is the cause, what's going on here. Um, many times it's like this big tangled web, you know, and like, and you have no idea what you're doing, and you just have to ask God what to do at every turn, and go, okay, God, that was weird what just happened. What do we do now? And he'll say, I want you to um, prophesy over them, or I want you to um, ask them about if something happened between them, or them and their father, or I want you to now rebuke a spirit of fear or rejection that's been in their life, or I want you to break off a generational curse of anxiety, you know, and that's, that's, a, that's a real thing. Um, these generational bondages that um, if, if you hear the Lord speak it, then just rebuke the generational bondage, 
have them speak out, I, you know, I, I break my contract or I break the generational inheritance of anxiety and, you know, it's no longer part of us. It's really simple. A lot of times people, um, if, if we discern a spiritual root, um, like a, well, a spiritual root could be either like that unforgiveness or it could be an actual demon afflicting them. Uh, many times if people discern a demon inflicting them, it's like, oh boy, like now it's big deal, like time to get pretty scared about this and like break out the anointing oil and the shofar and stuff like that, and the, the healing rugs. Um, actually, when you discern there's a demon involved, it's like, that's great news because that's the easiest stuff to deal with uh, because we, like, we have all authority over demons. Like, we've got the spirit. They, they are, are losers that have already lost, <laughs> you know? And so when you discern a spirit, you can be like, oh, awesome, found a demon. Like, okay, demon, get out of here in Jesus' name. And um, you can treat them, treat them like flies that you're brushing off. Like, they're just kind of annoying, and they're there, like, get out of here, and you just shoo them, and they're gone. You know, just like me and Brian were talking about beforehand, that you just, we shoo these demons. We don't, like, gear up with these mighty weapons because of how powerful they are. We recognize who we are, that we are sons and daughters of the king of the universe, and there's these pesky little beings trying to stand in the way of God's love and power reaching his children. And so we go, get out of here. Spirit of fear, I rebuke you in Jesus' name. You have no more place here. So in the name of Jesus, you're gone. Boom. Get out. You use the word boom. It's fun. <laughs> it's powerful and effective. <laughs> um, but we don't need to give them any more authority or any more honor than they deserve, which is hardly anything as it is. Um, so you can be happy when you, when you discern a spirit involved uh, because that's, that's the easy stuff right there. Um... Okay, I'm, gonna, I'm going to stop the um, walking through the prayer sort of model right there. I have a few other smaller things I want to say, and then I want to open it up to more um, question and answer stuff. Um, a, a couple of little pitfalls I want to talk about. One is, is many people will talk a lot when they're ministering to someone. Um, this is something that seems so good and right, and like 90% of the time it's coming out of an awesome heart, um, but also 90% of the time it's doing more damage than good, and you're not actually following God. You're just giving them good advice and good teaching, um, but that's not why they came to you. That's not why you're there with them. You're there to minister the power of God to this person, you're there to speak the words and only the words that God has given you to say. Um, and so many times to, to add to that or to keep like, giving them this great teaching or great advice, um, the only thing you're doing is you're, you're drawing them to yourself and you are diluting the word of the power of God with your own input. Um, and the only thing that does is bad things. Um, so to try not to talk. Try not to teach too much when you're, when you're ministering to someone. There's, you know, there's always exceptions to the rules. There's always relation, relationships are always different. Interactions are always different. But as a general rule of thumb, um, try to stick just to what you hear the Lord say. And, and your prayers can be brief. Um, brief prayers are, are generally a sign of faith 
Long prayers many times, not all the time, are generally a symptom of unbelief uh, because we have faith in the length of our prayer or in the poetic nature of our prayer. We don't believe that God is actually going to heal them, so we really have to keep praying longer to make sure it happens. Um, if we have faith, we can simply go, oh, okay, be healed in Jesus' name. How do you feel? <laughs> you know, like that's, that's pretty much how Jesus did things. Get up and walk. Receive your sight. Eyes be open, you know. Um, but to, to go on and on, um, it, it oftentimes it's, it's rooted in unbelief. It's like, it's just going to bore them. Like people will just kind of disconnect and tune out because they're not here to get taught. They're here to get healed or set free or hear from God. Um, so try not to do that. Keep your prayers short. Don't, don't worry about giving advice. Um, this is both, um, for, for your sakes to keep you free from pressure. Like, we don't want you to feel a ton of pressure to have, like, all these profound answers and teachings prepared. Um, like, don't worry about that. <laughs> you know, just pray just to hear from God and do that. Um, and it's, their, it's for their sake because they didn't come there for you. They came there for Jesus, and um, they just want to hear from him. Um, just a little, a little snippet before we go into question and answer. Um, all of this applies across the board in, in ministering to people, both from up here, um, when people come to us, going to like doing house calls. If, and if you're on a team, we'll, we'll send you out to people's houses to pray for them. Or um, just walking with people on the street. Um, it applies across the board. Um, so just an example of, of street ministry so that we're not all just locked into the church here. Uh, many times the only hard part in street ministry is just the introduction. Like everything after the, hey, can I pray for you? <laughs> everything after that is like the easiest thing in the world and God will always move um, if you step out in the faith and in risk like that. The only hard part is, is introducing yourself. So many times what I will do is if, if you see someone with a cane or you see someone in a wheelchair or like limping or something like that, you can just walk up to them and go, hey, um, how are you doing? My name is Matt. Like, I, I saw that you, um, you were limping. Like, what happened? Is something wrong with your leg? And um, they'll go, oh, yeah, oh, man, you know, like I, you know, I stepped off the curb yesterday and wrenched my knee and, man, I can't do this and I got to get surgery in a week. And you can be like, oh, man, dang, that sucks. I'm really sorry to hear about that. Hey, um, this might sound really weird, but I'm a Christian, and I've seen, I love to pray for people, and I've seen God heal a ton of people. Um, would you mind if I prayed for your knee really quick? And they'll be like, oh, well, I guess. I don't really believe in that stuff. You can do what you want. And you can be like, well, it's okay, I do. Um, yeah, let me, just, let me just lay hands on it really quick. And then you do it, and they get healed, and they go, what just happened? And you go, I don't know, but Jesus loves you, and he just healed you. Like, do you want to know more about Jesus? You know, what do you think about Jesus now? And all of a sudden, like, they're getting the kingdom, and they're getting the gospel, and, and coming to know Jesus. Um, just because you stopped for someone that was limping, you know. And, um, and then, of course, there's God just leading you and highlighting people. And oftentimes, we'll be walking through the store, and you'll... You just like notice someone more than you normally would, and you, that's just God highlighting them. And you, oh God, are you highlighting that person? What do you, what do you want to, wanting to do? And He'll say, Hey, I really want to speak to them, or I really want to bless them. And you, um, just go be awkward for a minute, 
before you, <laughs> you know, they, you, they really find out who you are and what you're doing. Um, just resign yourself to the fact that it's going to be awkward because it is. You know, there's no like normal thing about walking up to someone and just starting a conversation out of the blue. But um, it's worth it. They're worth it. Seeing the gospel come in power is worth it. So um, I say we do it. Cool. Well, I want to, um, I've got some more things I could say, but I, I really want to answer some questions if you guys have any and, and kind of let that direct the next, you know, 15 minutes or so. Um, so does anybody have any questions about what was said tonight or what was said last Tuesday or something that wasn't said that you're wondering if it should have been said? Yeah, yeah. So the question for those who are listening on the, uh, the podcast or something is, what do you do if someone gives their life to Jesus right there? And it's like, oh, now what? Um, I think you're right on. The, you got to get them plugged in. Got to get plugged in because without community, it's just it's the you know the, the shoot that jumps out and then it doesn't have structure um, or an environment to foster that. You know. Um, like you said, it's different for everybody, but I, th I think a great start is inviting them to your church, inviting them to, to meet up with them again in a day or two and talk about it and process. Asking, I found asking them, do you have anyone in your life who's a Christian? And they go, oh, yeah, well, my friend Jeff, um, you know, he's, he's crazy about Jesus. Blah, blah, blah. And they go, well, I want you to go tell Jeff today what happened. And um, I really want you to, to be honest and, and tell him everything that you just told me and tell them you want to be discipled by him and get them plugged in. Sometimes there's already community around them. Like they were raised in a, in a church, you know, and they, but they never knew Jesus and they just got to know Jesus. Well, like there's still a body around them and you just need to tell them, I need you to tell someone in that body what just happened. And at that point, like you did your job. Um, but a lot of, sometimes, maybe half the time, I think it's really good to be the one that kind of helps them through at least the initial stages of getting plugged into community. Like, hey, come to my church. It meets you know, on Sunday in two days. I can come pick you up, and we'll get you there. You know, and, and, and maybe from there, they make some different friends or they get plugged into a different home group or something like that, and then they're not you know, your direct responsibility kind of thing. Does that make sense? Okay. Oh, that is a great question. Yeah, um, the, the question is, how long did it take me personally to sort of get familiar and confident in sort of the interview process? And do you mean more like the emotional healing side of it or like the diagnosing part of it? 
Okay, yeah. I, I would say, um, you know, half of it came from just consuming information and like read every Bill Johnson book I could find and John G. Lake and Smith Wigglesworth and like remember these names because like if you're looking for resources, seriously, read everything those guys have. It'll rock your world and totally confuse you as to what normal life is actually supposed to look like. <laughs> um, but I would just consume what those guys wrote about and, um, and start to sort of have a, a grid for what these things look like and what happens. I'd like watch tons of YouTube videos of Todd White and people going on the streets and seeing people healed and things like that. Todd White, awesome, awesome evangelist. <laughs> yeah, Brian, you're about to get lit up, man. <laughs> um, I would, I would say the, the majority, the, the core of it came from um, my own heart being softened towards people um, because I, I would say initially I was actually pretty coarse and pretty rough. I'm sure my parents can attest to that. People that I prayed for initially will probably attest to that, that I, I, was, I was generally way more um, forward than was helpful, um, more kind of pushy about things than was helpful. And um, I don't want to say was the reason, but certainly could have contributed to a lot of my failure earlier in my ministry, you know. Um, and so as, as I became closer with Jesus and my heart got softened more and more, I became more and more concerned about that person getting restored than I was about getting to see a miracle. And if my whole focus is on getting to see a miracle or getting to, to like, be the one that makes someone cry, like, that, that person's now a project and a, a means to an end for myself. And people are super discerning. They're way more discerning than we, we give people credit for. They're, they're going to know immediately if they're actually being seen as a person or whether you're just there to get something from them and a cool story, you know? Um, so, like, if, if you, like, in my heart became more and more softened and open to people and more, more concerned with that person getting restored and blessed and really loved on than I was about getting to see a miracle and the, ooh, being like the cool guy that has the cool story to tell the next day, you know? Um, yeah, so being concerned about that and, and, and being so caught up in, in Jesus and his goodness, and it, it all trickles down, you know, into how we, how we relate to people comes from how we see them, which comes from how we see God who created them, you know? Um, so that, and then just trial and error, you know? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's a great point. Thank you. Yeah, so a lot of times I had no idea what to do or what was the loving thing to do. So I would all I would do was say, God, what do I say right now? And I would just word for word say the things that came to my mind and just hope that it was from God. <laughs> yeah. Something, something always came to my head. It wasn't always God, though, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sometimes I'd pray, and I'd be like, okay, man, I felt like God said there's, like, sexual immorality here. Like, 
whew, you know, or that, that's not a good example because every time I've said that, it's been accurate. But sometimes I've, I felt like God said there was like abuse on their father, from their father and like there was pain there. And I'd be like, hey, does this make sense, you know, an abuse? And they'd be like, no, like I have a great dad, like the best relationship ever. And I'd be like, oh, well, good. That's awesome, you know. I don't even feel bad for that. Okay, God, you know, what are you saying now? And, yeah, you just brush it off and you move on and try again. Dad? The authors that I, I personally love are Bill Johnson, um, John G. Lake, Smith Wigglesworth, and Todd White, who I don't think is an author, but has a ton of YouTube videos out there. Smith Wigglesworth, like the coolest name ever. Yeah, he was a, an old English plumber who um, got saved when, got, well, he got saved when he was younger, but then got filled with the Spirit in his ministry when he was like 45 or something and just became this crazy dude who would like punch people and their cancer would fly off of their face and like splat against the wall. Like nuts things, crazy things. But, and like, don't do that kind of stuff. But he was so filled with compassion and he only saw a person being afflicted by the devil. And like, he, people would ask him, like, why are you so rough? He's like, oh, I'm not rough with the person. I'm rough with the devil that's on them. Like, you don't need to be gentle with the devil. And I was like, okay, dude. Like, it's hard to argue with the fruit of that. I certainly am not ready for that. <laughs> I, do not, I do not officially condone that in my ministry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> G, Lake, like the letter G. <laughs> like the middle initial is G. <laughs> yeah, John G. Lake. I think it was like Graham or something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, so the question is, so that transition of, of what do you do next, um, and if they weren't healed, like, what to do next? That's sort of the question. Yeah. Yeah, you can feel it out, you know, if the person just got healed or set free, like, sit there and, and, like, celebrate with them and process what happened and be like, so, like, wait, seriously, you couldn't do that before? Like, like no, be honest. What could you do before and what, what can you do now? And they'll be like, no, seriously, I could never move like this. I could, la, la. They'll be like, no way, that's crazy. You know, just, like, have, a, have fun with them and party and then... Um, afterwards, you can be like, hey, I'd love it if, if I could, like, follow up with you, and can I get your number, you know, and hey, sometimes after people get healed, the enemy gets pissed about it, and he's going to try to, like, rob from you. So just be aware that, like, there could be an increased attack, and if you feel anything like that, or if you feel the pain come back, just rebuke it in Jesus' name, and it's going to go, like, because you have authority over it. Um, and just, like, you know, let them know that this is this is a long-term thing and not just a party in the moment, you know. Um, you know, if they if nothing happened or there's still stuff that needs to happen, 
then you know we don't get discouraged like we talked about, but we instead go back and we ask God, okay, Lord, what's going on? Is there anything else we're not aware of? Um, you know, Jesus had one time at least had to pray for someone again who was blind before they got healed. And the first time he rebuked the demon, the legion, they weren't cast out and he had to do, he had to go back to what is the cause. Okay, what, what's your name, demon? You know what I mean? Um, so don't get discouraged or be like, oh, shoot, this is a hard one now. Um, just, just, just ask God what's going on. Maybe, maybe do that. Do the process three times, and if there's still nothing happening, go, okay, well, we're going we're gonna to call that a night, you know, and bless them again and say, hey, if something happens tomorrow morning, give me a call, you know, and if, come back next week because I'd love to pray for you again. And um, don't feel any shame about them leaving unhealed. Honestly, um, about a third of the time that we pray for people, nothing will happen in the moment, um, but they'll wake up the next morning totally healed. Um, or like progressively through that week, they'll get more and more healed. I've seen it happen over and over again. I don't know why it happens, but it does. Um, so tell them that and be like, you know, just pay attention to it and, um, you know, come back next week and tell us, tell us what happened. And we'll pray for you again or we'll celebrate. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that's a cool, cool illustration too, because um, you know the 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 blind man that Jesus rubbed mud on his eyes. Well, Jesus actually that 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 example there is part of where this model comes from. Um, Jesus checked on what was happening. He asked him, "Okay, what do you see now?" He didn't just send them off. And then the guy said, "Well, I see people, but they look like trees." And Jesus said, "Okay, well, let's go back and let's pray again." Um, and so that, that's why, and I, I think I forgot to mention this, um, it, ask people how they're feeling after you pray for them, even if it's just prophecy, um, but especially after you pray for healing. If you just pray for the knee, after you, you pray, just go, okay, um, how you, how's your knee feeling? Can you test it out? Can you do something? Um, is there something you could do that you would know if it was healed or not? Like, what couldn't you do before? And encourage them to, to step out and to, um, to try it. I, I usually say, is there something you can do that wouldn't damage it any farther if it weren't healed? Because you don't want them to do something unwise. But many times they can be like, well, I could never do this before. And they'll do it. And I'll be like, oh, my gosh, I could never do that, you know. Um, and that, that's a lot of fun. And it'll also give us insight. So sometimes something will be partly healed. And they'll be like, well, I, it's, it feels better. I could never reach my knee before, but... I still can't reach my shin. And they'll be like, oh, okay, great. So it's like 50%. And they'd be like, yeah, it's about 50%. And then you're like, awesome. And you celebrate with what just happened. And you praise Jesus for 50%. And then you release the rest of it 100%. And then you, you go back to the steps, you know. So that would be part of, I guess, step four. Are we making progress and having a dialogue with what's, what's happening? You know, how are you feeling? What are you experiencing right now? Yeah, any other questions? Yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I'd obviously you know, be really careful and, you know, you don't, don't just throw it out if you randomly hear those things. You know, the Bible says that prophecy is for encouraging, strengthening, and exhortation. Um, so if something isn't in, that, in those categories, um, generally it's not from God. And we don't want to throw out everything that isn't, touch, like, nice and lovely because sometimes God does do those things. Um, generally, for the purpose of this ministry up here, we are, our boundaries are to not give um, corrective words or, like, forecasting those kind of negative things. And we'll, not because they're not biblical, but because of the, this, the context. And we're going to leave those kind of things up to mothers and fathers in their lives and those that have authority to, to speak those kind of corrective words. Um, as well as to protect people because we're, we're ministers, but we're also in training up here. Um, and so it would put a lot of weird pressure on people to say, oh, if you get a word rebuking them for that or that, that their son's going to die in a week, you say it. You know, like we're just, we're going we're gonna to limit those kind of words, you know. That's not to say that God doesn't speak that way. This just isn't the context for it. Um, so if in another context you hear words like that, um, or if, you know, you just, it feels like I have to say this, you know, God's rules are better than my rules, <laughs> you know, um, then just be really gentle, phrase it in a way that gives them the chance to discern it themselves as opposed to imposing it on them. So like, hey, I, I could be totally wrong in this, but I, I feel like the Lord um, just wants to, to warn you that there, there could, there's, a, there's an attack coming, that he wants to prepare you for this. Um, you know, so you're not saying, God, there's bringing pain into your life. <laughs> um, but it's, it's phrasing it with humility, and it's phrasing it in a way that lets them discern it themselves um, instead, of, instead of being arrogant and saying, this is what God is saying, and you have to accept it, you know. Yes, my wife will add to that. I just, I just wanted to say this because I think it brings up another um, thing that's happened. You guys will find that as you're ministering, you all have a really different gift set. And so Matt will often hear like specific words and, and phrases from the Lord. I'm more of a sensor. So sometimes someone will come up and I'll sense something dark over them. Um, or I'll sense they've been believing this lie and I'll feel that. Well, for sensors, we don't need to say everything that we, that we feel and that we hear. And so in that moment, I really have to discern with the Holy Spirit, okay, what are you doing? And often it'll look like okay, I hear this lie over them. Either they're speaking it over themselves or some, you know, something, this lie is here. So if it's original design, often I'll speak out the opposite um, and because the opposite is true about them. So I'll say, this is true about you. you know? You're a woman of joy. You're not a woman of sadness or whatever the lie was. Um, so just the discerning part of that is you don't have to say everything you hear um, and just follow the Holy Spirit if that helps. Yeah, that's a great idea. I do not have the gift of, of feeling like she does. So everything I hear is from God and is for me to, <laughs> for me to move on. But Amanda has a lot more sources of information to process. <laughs> yeah, definitely could be. Yeah, definitely not everything that you hear is for you to say right there. Um, so whatever you get, make sure you're asking God, what do I do with this? And he could say, I just, I want you to be aware of it so that you're careful how you talk to them, or I want you to go back and pray with them or pray for them later, you know, those kind of things. So just, just be careful you're really following God and not just 
shotgun blasting with everything you hear, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah, we are all growing and we're all like at varying levels and how much experience we have with things and how comfortable we are with things and where our theology is at. So, um, yeah, of course there are, you know, and that's part of why we're on teams. So we're, our strengths and weaknesses are able to, to help each other and we're able to, to learn from and see how other people minister. And I, you know, if I had my way, everyone would minister exactly the way that I did which is not a healthy way to do it, you know? <laughs> um, so having lots of different inputs and examples to look to and that kind of thing is good. And, um, you know, sometimes you have an off day and you just had a weird lunch and you're like, your mind is all clouded because your stomach's gurgling, you know what I mean? Hey, it happens. It's okay. But, you know, it all, it, God speaks, you know? He speaks, when you ask, when you ask, he'll speak, you know? And that's just, that's just it. That's a way more powerful factor than what we had for lunch or what our experience is so far. So to just come up for like half the time for the team. Normally, no, but I really love your heart. So for you, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's general, for, for our ministry, there'll be a ministry team that will have a ministry leader. Um, and that leader, we already have, I think, seven or eight leaders. Amanda's one of them. Luke's one of them. Um, they'll be running point for that group. So they'll be kind of the person, if there needs to be giving any instruction or teaching and um, kind of recognizing what path we need to go down and leading that kind of thing, you know. So you won't just be like tossed into it. <laughs> mm -hmm. mm. Yeah. Oh yeah, there's there's lots of rise if you need. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So this Sunday will be kind of the official gathering of everyone that wants to be on a ministry team, and there we'll talk more about expectations of what it will mean to be on a team, sort of uh, time commitments that you would need to make the structure surrounding all of it, you know, having a ministry team leader and someone who's recording things, those kind of things. Um, so a lot more of the logistical questions will get answered then. So I think we're meeting at 445 this Sunday. We'll try to meet for an hour, but um, we'll, we'll go over all the logistical structural issues then, you know. Yeah, yeah, in the back there. Amanda thought it would be helpful to talk briefly about just the process of hearing God's voice. Yeah, yeah, I, I want you to know, I, 
I started praying for people. I prayed for so many people before I saw anything happen. I'll estimate well over 100 people before I saw one person ever healed. And I've prayed for thousands since then who haven't been healed. And I've tried to hear God's voice. Probably the first 40 times I tried to hear God's voice, I heard absolutely nothing. Just blank mind or like weird things that I was like, obviously not God, you know. Um, and I would go to people and say, hey, does this make sense? Like, I feel like I heard this about you. And they'd be like, no, no, not really. <laughs> I'd be like, ah, dang it. Okay, sorry, that wasn't God. And I'd go back and go, okay, God, I need to hear you. What do you sound like? You know, teach me. And, um, you know, eventually they'd be like, oh, my gosh, that's like exactly what I prayed for this morning. How did you know that? I'd be like, oh, my gosh, I just heard God's voice. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and, like, get super pumped and, like, get all prideful about it and stuff like that. <laughs> I have to go back and repent and grow and blah, 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 you know. <laughs> and, you know, it's just, you just be where you're at and, and repent when you need to repent and tell God when you're feeling unconfident and recognize he's going to talk to you anyways and you'll probably get a few things wrong and have a mess or two to clean up. And if you mess up and you tell someone something that wasn't from God, be quick to recognize that and tell them, hey, sorry, I don't think that was from God. I'm still learning, you know, and I'm having that humility and um, being honest about that will stop a lot of big disasters from happening that cause a lot of damage to both yourself and to a ministry, you know. Yeah. Right? Mm, that's good. Mm -hmm. we're, we're physicians' assistants. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, his job is to heal. Our job is to show up and be in awe of him, you know. If you do that, people are getting healed. People are getting set free, period. That's just what happens. <laughs> cool. Any other questions? Awesome. Well, guys, I'm sure there's a lot more questions um, that will come up later. Feel free to come hunt me down and ask me any. There's already one more. If you just type in John Wimber five-step healing, there'll be like PowerPoint after PowerPoint of it, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Bill Hath has every resource you could ever want. Seriously. <laughs> He's a walking almanac. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So anyways, thank you guys for coming. Really appreciate it. I, I realize this is a huge shotgun blast of everything all jumbled together. And just know that I, I learned all these things mostly from experience. And so... I wouldn't expect you guys to all of a sudden not have to learn from experience. So I recognize that everything I said kind of made sense at some point, but you're going to have to just learn from experience and put it to the test and see, oh, yeah, now I see what Matt was talking about. So don't worry. You're going to learn on the job. It'll be great. Yeah. Cool. Thanks, guys. Love you. Signing off.